Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Lafondra looking to get close side of Fon. Lafondra away from David. 3 1 running. 3 points running. 3 points running. Hello and welcome to a very upbeat Elm Park Rolls podcast supported by Blue Collar Street Food. We will be talking about consecutive wins. Yes, the miracle has happened. We have achieved it. It's almost like it feels like the first time we've done that since humanity began. But to help me talk through it, I'll be joined by Mika, Nick, and Alex. So to get us started off here, how are you feeling going into the game, Mika? Because obviously we've had the introduction of the new manager. He did his interview, Paul Lynch, the other day. Were you upbeat or a little bit nervous? Um, I was fairly upbeat for it. I think I've always tried to remain positive, even through this tough spell we've had. We've um, obviously gone nine or ten winless by... um, Preston on the weekend. I mean, I do all the aways, and even at Preston, I, I thought something about this game. I just feel like we're going to get something, and obviously we did. We got our three points in three two win, which seems. To, I think Preston and Birmingham always seem to have this issue about beating us. So I, I've always gone into them sort of games confident, and especially last night with the new manager bounce, and yeah, I, I, I was never in doubt of it really. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's positive, Nick, going into it. It was a kind of different atmosphere that all the previous games have had, kind of like all the negative emotions are kind of swept away. Um, might not be realistic, that, but it felt like that, didn't it? Yeah, I, I do think there's still issues we need to sort out away from the, the field. Um, but the, the atmosphere was a lot better. It, the toxicity wasn't there, I felt, before the game and at the start of the game. Um, there seemed to be a bit of a positive atmosphere, and I think that showed in the body language of the players early on as well. They seemed a bit more up for it. Uh, I think the change change is going to do them good. Yeah, totally, Alex. And uh, kind of we made quite a good start as well, which is kind of happened in the last two games, hasn't it? Now, yeah, started relatively relatively quickly. Um, although we didn't really create a, a whole ton of chances, I guess in that early start of the game or early portion of the game, it, it felt like we were kind of playing relatively well there wasn't um there wasn't a load of individual errors or loose passing and it felt like we were 
pressing again quite high, similar to how we did against Preston as well. Um, kind of really trying to put Birmingham on the back foot early on. Um, the I, I guess the first the first um, real chance was uh, what it would have been Birmingham Birmingham getting a few cutbacks in that first half already. Yeah, yeah, it would have been, wouldn't it? I mean, I felt slightly nervous in the first half then, Mika, but it wasn't a kind of, they're definitely going to score. It was kind of like more like damage from previous games throughout the whole of the season. Lyle Tyler had a few opportunities, but he just doesn't convince me in the championship. No, that's right. I think I've noticed it a lot, like Alex was saying, these cutbacks, I feel like I've been one of Reading's biggest issues all season. We've had multiple games where, for example, Yeardon would get skinned down that right wing, like happened a few times last night. So then be cut back, deflection goal, and then that's kind of the luck we've had all season. And I think last night we looked a lot better defensively. I don't think it was the best improvement in the world, but I think it was an improvement well enough to go, okay, they're getting somewhere with this. And hopefully, Ince, whether he's here for six weeks, six months, six years, whatever, his experience should hopefully bring that into the team and keep it up because I think our attack's absolutely fine. Yeah, Nick, our attack during the first half was, uh, it was scintillating, I think is maybe the best way to put it. Um, but we did have one major chance in the first half yesterday. Um, you can't imagine that Tom Ince was particularly happy with his miss. Yeah, he's missed a couple of sitters now, hasn't he, Tom Ince? And it's a shame because I think he's he's working quite well. I mean, he's not pulling up any trees, but he's he's looked quite solid, I think, in the games he's played. And I'm not sure if it was as bad as the, the Coventry miss or not. It's, it's a bit of a 50-50 one, but he's got to just keep that down, compose himself a little bit more. Um, and that, that should be 1-0. Um, we didn't really create anything else. I'm not sure if we would have deserved to go into the lead at halftime regardless. But that was the big chance and uh, big moments change games. Yeah, big moments definitely do do change games. And at half-time, Paul, we hadn't actually had a shot on target. Um, I think we'd only had three shots in total. Birmingham at half-time had had some shots on target. And, and Carl Hine probably saved more shots yesterday than he has so far um, combined for Reading. It, it, I feel like he's he had a good performance yesterday. His shot stopping is like it isn't something to be complaining about, really. Yeah, no, totally. I'm not quite sure how he manages to save some of them. He does it in really unorthodox ways, but it doesn't really matter. Um, I just think he gets so much stick because of why he's here and how he's here, rather than actually what he's done. And I also understand the logic of if you've got a young goalkeeper, we've already got one. And yeah, he did make mistakes. Let's not dress it up. Luke Southall was not having like the season of his life. But sometimes you have to persist with these players. Thing about Hein is shot stopping, good. Crosses, I'd say pretty good as well. Kicking, pretty bad. Um, I Really worrying. And one in the first half, when he got away with it, it could have gone to absolutely anyone, Alex. Yeah, yeah really I feel like I feel like that's a, it's not an issue, but I feel like it's kind of a tendency with keepers who are quite young, uh, that their distribution often isn't that good. Uh, whether that's because they haven't played enough professional football or not, I, I'm not really sure, but it seems to be a tendency in younger keepers that their distribution doesn't really um, get to a level where it's deemed acceptable until they've kind of played a, enough enough professional football to make it 
up to that kind of standard. Uh, a half time did come, Mika. Um, nil nil at half time. I th were you happy at half time with how we performed? Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't disappointed. I, I, I was fairly neutral in it. I think we. Um, I think we defended well at times, and to go in, especially not conceding after forty-five minutes of Reading, that's amazing. So it wasn't like the worst performance for me. I think attacking. Obviously, the inch chance was whether it was unlucky or however you'd want to put it. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I was alright with it. I think I wasn't. I wasn't angry. I didn't go in booing them. <laughs> Yeah, um, Paul, I mean, I think I described the first half as quite dull and that was um, pulling out some of the language from it. Uh, it. It didn't feel that different, though, the first half to really how we'd played under, under Panovic in the recent weeks, I think. It was, it, was, it was okay, but not good, but not bad. Like, it just felt okay. Nothing too... Much yeah, there was no dramatic change in yeah. a way, I would say. Maybe some slight tinkering, but as Ian said before the game, he hasn't had time to have any impact on the players or squad. He said that afterwards he talked a little bit on shape, but I'm not sure even he really believed that. It was kind of, if you're going to give credit to anyone for probably the last two wins, it's going to be Panovic, isn't it? Because he's the one who set that all up. I mean, I know that's probably going to hurt some people hearing that, but... You can't say that Paul Ince has really made a massive difference on that game last night because we didn't suddenly look defensively really tight. Attacking, we looked decent all season. If we got the right players fit, if you've got Lucas Jow, you've got Mate, you've got Swift, you've got some serious championship players there who will score goals. And I don't worry about that. But yeah, I... <laughs> I didn't expect a miracle overnight. I just want to see some consistency and most of all that defence. If we go to Blackpool and we keep a clean sheet, I start to think things are moving in the right direction. Yeah, I saw Nick's face there when you gave some credit to Panovic. It wasn't, <laughs> not, not sure there was much agreement at that end. I, I think that would be shared by a lot of people listening though as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Nick, do, the I guess after the game, um, we'll, we'll come back to the second half, but after the game, Ince's comments were around the fact that they hadn't really had much um, time with the players and, you know, really he's only had, what, one training session with them on the Monday. I think he met them on Sunday, had one training session with them on the Monday, and that's, that's pretty much it. It's difficult to see how much influence he could have had, at least tactically, um, but it feels like perhaps outside of the actual... On the field, it's more in maybe in their head that he's having the influence early on. Yeah, I think it's a psychological factor, and the fact that they had not lost for two games prior to that helps as well. I think he said as well that on Sunday when he met them, they're all in good spirits, and it was from the Preston win, so that's good to see already. Um, he hasn't had a lot of time. He said he hasn't got a lot of players available. I think there's eight injuries now with Baba, and uh, there's not a lot of. I had to pick up on this by the way yesterday because I feel like Panovic had said that. He would didn't have a lot of players after yesterday. He would have been slaughtered for it. It's true because that was yeah. one of our strongest squads yesterday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had a good lineup most of the season actually. It's just been the subs mainly. A few few games about the the eleven. Um, but I think there was small change. He said he hadn't had a lot of time, like you've pointed out on the on the training pitch. There was maybe small changes to the shape, which helped. But there's only so much you can do in in a Monday's training session and a chat with them on Sunday. So. Let's see how it changes. I think Millwall might be the best opportunity to see that. So I don't think we've got a game in midweek next week, right? 
So he's going to get a full week with the team and that will be the best way to see how much has changed. Blackpool might be slightly too soon too, but hopefully there's improvements up until Millwall and then we can really start judging judging how we look, I think. Yeah, I think there's there's, there's going to be a little bit of a bedding in time, I think, for, for Paul Lynch, certainly. And thankfully, we did end up scoring first week yesterday. Um, Andrew Inamota wins the ball back in central midfield. Just, just before we discuss the goal, Andy Rinomoto coming back into this side over the last month or so, he's made such a difference to that midfield, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, Rinomoto, even back in 2019-18, whenever he first joined us, he was that maestro in midfield. He's, I feel like he's kind of the Kante role of our team. No one really gives him enough credit for what his duties that he does. We've got our Swift, who's creating it up top. We've got Drinkwater, who admittedly hasn't been up to the standard we thought he would be at, but since Reno's came back in, I think it was Kidminster or Fulham, he's just been grinding away that centre defensive mid-role, just doing the dirties that no one else has been doing all season. I, I do think he's really changed the team without a lot of people realising. I feel like he adds a lot more energy into that midfield ball. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. And if he can make, um, uh, you know, the Kante role have the same impact on Drinkwater, that would be quite nice because um, he was okay last night, but yeah, he's not a player that you'd really be thinking if we didn't have a replacement. I mean, we do have one, but it appears not to be an option to play him and Delibar Sherry. But um, I don't know. I, I Rinomoto is just someone that we kind of take him for granted. You look at all the negatives that he's got maybe and kind of, oh, he can't maybe in the final third, his last pass isn't the best. But let's look at all the positives that he brings. Let's leave all that final third passing to all the other players we've got. Because if you say have uh, Hijari or Halilovic or Swift in that, and Jao's pretty good at creating as well, you don't need to worry so much about that. And I think we should really just have a just a love first for Andy Winamoto. I love him. He just it gives the team so much. Uh, yeah, I mean... If we could sign one player back next season, excluding John Swift, Nick, who would you pick? Because I put this poll up yesterday on yep. Twitter myself, and personally, I would go for Andy Renamota, but I can I can kind of understand why people might pick Tom Holmes or Yeardom, just in terms of age and you know resale value in the future and things like that. Yeah, it was a ridiculously cruel poll, um, Alex, to be honest, because Yids is my favourite player uh, and he's great. But I think you've got to say Rinomoto, and I did vote for Rinomoto because he's he's so crucial. He's younger and he's just so crucial. I do feel like, not in a creative aspect, but when Swift goes, he's going to be that core player if we manage to keep hold of him. He's the glue that keeps that team together because he does all the dirty work, the energetic work, gets across the pitch. I think um, Benji put his heat map up and it was crazy. He was everywhere and you just can't replace that. Whereas I feel with fullbacks, if you're smart, you can replace fullbacks. We've got Babber in to replace Richards, for example, this year, and he's not quite as good as Richards, but he's he's fine. And Yidom, as good as he is, you can replace a player like that. With Rhino, you can't. I love Yidom, though. Yeah, you like who was the player? I mean, let's go back to a dark period. It was only a week ago. Who was the one player that actually chatted to the fans after the match against Peterborough? Yeah. Yeah, you know, so these are the little things that add to me the fact that he really does care. And I don't know, Mika, who which player would you pick out of all the ones? Um, I'd probably go in a motor as well, just purely on the mm. very hard to replace type of player. Um, 
again, I love Yeardom just like you, Paul. So it's it's a difficult one for me. I've always like me and Yeardom have spoke quite a lot, and he's a brilliant player. He's versatile. He's he, he's up and down that wing like no other. But again, you can replace wing backs. They've all got that job, and that's kind of the right wing. The right wing back that Yeardom plays is that's what that's all they have to do. Whereas Rinomota does that bit and a bit more. So I I'd, I'd agree with everyone and go Renault. Paulie, you also on the Romota train there. I might as well be. Mine, I mean, four, it's, it's not a bad option. Then. It's like trying to choose which is your favourite leg, isn't it, basically? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, so when when someone at the club does inevitably listen to this podcast, um, yeah, please just speak to speak to Andy Renamota and deal, deal with a contract. Uh, it would be much appreciated for next season. Because he did win the ball back, Nick, for that first goal in, in central midfield, nicking the ball off a Birmingham player in the centre circle. And um, I mean, don't get me wrong, Lucas Shell, once he picks the ball up from John Swift, still has a lot to do. But, you know, you've got to win the ball back to begin with in the first place. So good work done by Annie Rinomota. But Lucas Shell for the goal, it's just another piece of evidence as to, you know, why we've, why we've missed him so much in that first half of the season. Yeah, it's that bit of quality, isn't it? And uh, he still did have a lot to do, but so many of his goals are like that. He, he doesn't score easy goals. He just He's always taking on a defender, twisting inside out, bending it into that corner. And that's the best thing about sitting in the Dolan behind, right behind the goals. You can see it going in before it's a net. And that's the, the greatest feeling is knowing it's in, just from being in that, that angle. And it's a nice pass on Swift as well to put it just in front of him. And... I think Colin playing centre-back last night was their weak link, Birmingham there. And Pedersen did okay, but Colin was the weak link. And being on Colin there, twisting and turning him, I don't think it was ever in doubt that he would uh, get the upper hand on him. So, yeah, it was, it was a good goal and it, it gave us the lead. Probably when we weren't actually, I'd say Birmingham probably on top at the time, actually, to be honest. So, it, it changed the game. And I think Birmingham were a bit wobbly for about five or ten minutes after that. Yeah, and I just memories of that goal reminded me of Nelson Oliveira against Blackburn. Blackburn, Sly. yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, what were the limbs like in the Dolan Nick after that goal? Tell us about it. There was only about eight of us, so weren't too great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it must have been good in Club One Eight Seven One though, um, uh, Mika, when when that goal went in because it's sheer relief. Yeah, well, completely. I think eighteen seventy one, as well as everyone else, has been struggling with the last few weeks, and it's trying to get that balance of making the point known and then supporting the team. I think they've done fairly well with supporting the team for 90 minutes. It was that every time we went 1-0 down, it was 15, 12 yards at the top going, we want Paolo out for the next 30. And it just didn't, for me, it was, <laughs> I'm on one level, I'll support the team for 90, I'll make my point known after the game. Um, but last night was just something else and I've got a few videos of it and you can just hear the, the sheer volume of just a thousand, two thousand, whatever it is, chanting. I think I looked down the west, uh, east stand, and all the way down to like Y twenty three, Y twenty four, we're just going for it and chanting. And that's something we didn't have probably since Andy Cowell first played against uh, Nottingham Forest, I think it was. So it's been a long time since I've heard it that loud, and there's still room for improvement. There always is, but we we've got the fans there who are going to continue to support, and I think. The way we're going, it's just going to get louder there and hopefully we get more crowds and let alone 1871, the West, the East and North. So, Yeah, I'd agree. The atmosphere yesterday was, especially once we took the lead, was just so much better than anything else really we've heard this season because it, it felt 
it felt comfortable once we went 2-0 yeah. up. At least for a little bit, it felt comfortable. And it didn't take... I mean, we could have scored again, Paul, before the penalty, right? Um, we, we Lucas Zhao managed to get another shot off literally, mm. what, a minute after we scored? Um, and we could have gone 2-0 up very, very quickly. Yeah, totally. I think it was a pullback from Hoyler and the defender misses it. <clears throat> and he probably thinks maybe he should score, but it comes at him so quickly... I think he's frustrated so much afterwards because obviously it's a great chance, but he also should have anticipated a mistake. But I'm not going to sit here criticising Lucas Jow. I mean, that would be uh, complete stupidity. He's been brilliant since he came back. But the defining moment in our half was just the run from Andy Udom for that penalty. And if you don't have that run, you don't score. Um, The pass from Tom Ince was brilliant as well, Mika, but it probably wasn't a penalty, was it really? I mean, does it matter? Uh, no. Yeah, it doesn't matter at all. And uh, to be fair, I was in 1871. I could barely see it from my view. I'm you sound like a manager, Mika. Oh, I couldn't see it. I haven't watched it back. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see it, but I definitely know it was a penalty, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, I thought it was very, very soft. I think Yeardon was, was off balance and already sort of going over by the time the Birmingham player touches him. Um, we know he does it. We know he does it. And it's uh, worked for us. No complaints. Complain, it no, will go no against us at some point. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. often, often that, that will go against you. But um, yeah, I think it was probably quite soft, that penalty. But yeah, no complaints. And, and John Swift puts it away, you know, fairly, um, fairly comfortably. I mean, although before that, I have to point out how good's Andy Yeardon been for both yesterday and Saturday. He's probably my man of the match in both games. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely, I think he's easily been by far the best player alongside Swift. Um, I, I think Yeardom has earned a lot of respect from the Reading fans, especially talking to us at Peterborough. I think as much as he knew the situation was at its end, I still think he didn't realise how bad it was for us fans. And I think potentially he's given a bit more effort or he's, thought okay this is really bad and has just gone that extra mile for us and I think it's shown this week we're three unbeaten seven and nine and yeah he's been unbelievable for us and I have no doubt he'll keep it up what do we think about the goal we conceded though Alex because Mm. I mean do we put that down as a goalkeeping error I mean I'm not going to talk about the the Tom McIntyre own goal he couldn't do anything about it I think it's it worries me slightly because I feel like it might be slightly down to hind size um because it's twice now that the ball's kind of like looped up over him for these goals um it's either size or positioning isn't it it's one of the two because you've been caught you've been caught out twice by like a looped ball over the top of you once against Coventry which was unfortunate um and then yesterday's one which was it unfortunate have you just been caught out by coming out too far for, to try and claim something which you're never going to get you know never going to get so I'm not sure whether it's it, I think it's probably a little bit of both I think it's a little bit you can place on Heim for for kind of judging the cross badly and, and not not being in the right place to, to claim it and a little bit of bad luck that it's just smashed off the post um, and straight back into McIntyre when in reality, a lot of the time that's going to come off the post and, you know, go well back back out to a Reading player and it'll be cleared. So it's unfortunate. I don't think it's, um, you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily completely blameless, but it's a little bit of both, I think. 
And yeah, I mean, Mika, once we do concede there as well, it's almost it's almost at the point there where you feel like Reading are going to throw that away just for a couple of minutes because yeah. Birmingham did then after that. They they started to really put the pressure on and, and they started to create more chances. And I think it was only five minutes to go when Lyle Taylor was was pretty much through on goal after a, a decent pass through to him. But yeah, yeah, Lyle Taylor's shot there, uh, which Andy Yeardom, again, another mention for Andy Yeardom, I feel maybe we should get a little counter on the screen for Yeardom mentions on this podcast. Um, he clears it. It's not quite off the line, but he clears what is a you know pretty golden opportunity for for Lyle Taylor there near the end. Yeah, like you were saying, with the Reading's tendency to lose it in the last five to ten minutes, I was expecting it, and I knew the second we went two one down rather than two nil, no two nil, two one up instead of two nil up. Oh, I don't even know what I'm saying. But as soon as we were one goal in it. It was that, you know, you're going to sit back, you know, you're going to be waiting for every long ball from the keeper and it's just going to be that for the next 10 minutes. And I I, I think I tweeted it as soon as we scored. I went, watch Reading just sit back now. And I'm not saying it's the wrong idea, but I think it was a very expected way about it. And to be fair to them, we kept we kept the win and it was something that I was happy with. In the end. Oh, I, do, I do think we did, although we sat back... Um, it, we didn't quite sit back in the same way, Paul. If that makes sense, yeah. We didn't. We didn't just sit in our own area. Every time the ball went, got cleared, you could see Morrison and you could see Holmes directing the midfield and directing the wing backs to push forwards. And we we didn't just sit camped out in our own six yard box for that last ten minutes. Yeah, I agree. I think we did push up the pitch slightly. We didn't go crazy as you wouldn't do when you're one nil up, but it did feel like we were just waiting for a goal to come. It would have actually taken a decent strike. There was one opportunity I had with about two minutes to go. But if yeah. you got a better strike away, it, they just kept on hitting strikes right at Hyde, which is fine one for of, us. One, one of your yeah. one of your favourites with a great strike, um, Erno Hernandez with a with a yeah. strike from distance. With well, he's a decent. A, a minute or two to go. He, he's definitely a good player for the championship. So I he thought was that one was in, night, wasn't he? So yeah, I, I thought that one was in because they that that shot was inches wide it felt like um you know and it, had that gone in it really would have completely deflated the mood but the mood at the end Mika when uh when you know Reading Reading did claim all three points eventually and the mood at the end was you know sheer relief yeah. you could hear it in the crowd it's the first win at home since October and the 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 we are staying up chance were were loud from for all to hear from you know around the ground and, and outside afterwards as well yeah, I mean, it was a feeling. The feeling of winning a game at all is just something no, nothing can compare to. And the the sound we was making at the end, it was just again something else. I I left early in the about the ninetieth minute to walk around to see my girlfriend, and I, I walked back in at the north stand, and it was just looking over at eighteen seventy one, looking at McIntyre, Holmes. It was, it's just that's the club we've loved and the one we've missed. And I feel like we haven't had that feel-good factor properly at home. Even, like, yeah, since October. I mean, it's been four months nearly to the day that we last won at home and to see it back in the stadium, especially on a Tuesday night. I think I read we've had 31 games on Tuesday nights since, like, 2018, and we've lost 24 of them. I mean, to, to win at home on a Tuesday night after not winning at home 
at all in four months. It was just something else. The atmosphere is back, and I'm hoping it's just going to get better and better. We're, we're terrible at home in midweeks. And I think it's part of the reason why we get such low attendances is because you see all these season ticket holders go, oh, we're not, I'm not coming in midweek because we just don't win. Um, Paul, that moment at full time with Tom McIntyre and Tom Holmes, mm-hmm. that was, that was pretty, pretty special to see, um, you know, from the, from the home end, you could really, it was one of those moments where you see two Academy players who've just played 90 minutes together on the field um, I don't know if that was the, it probably isn't the first time, but it feels no. like the first time when fans have been in um, when they've played 90 minutes together. And it was a, it was a, it was a really nice moment to see them kind of embrace it full time. Yeah. The fans. I mean, they're Reading fans on the pitch. There's, that's what you want, isn't it? You, but you also want them to be good enough. And we discussed many times about Tom Holmes and maybe he needs a period of time out because he hasn't been at his best for a while. But, but yesterday, he was about yesterday, 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 though, Tom Holmes was much better. He was. He was. The he amount of cro- bad it, pass in the first half again. In the I agree. <laughs> which worries yeah. me. But you're going to make mistakes. It's still good, though. Second half, he was yeah. very, very solid, though. I, I think yeah, I, I saw some... Yeah. Are you Tom Holmes' agent here all of a sudden? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like... uh, so anyway, he's got to get a new deal somewhere. Yeah. Uh, the se- I mean, the second... I, I saw <laughs> some stats from some Birmingham players at full time and their crosses completed. It was Their two wingers had 24 crosses between them and they didn't complete a single cross. So, I mean, you have to yeah. give big, big credit to both Tom Holmes and Michael Morrison because they... And also, Birmingham, they've got a crap striker. I mean, yeah, yeah, Lyle yeah, Taylor. That's, that's a lot of crosses to actually have no. He's not. He's not made. He's not made to cross the ball into. I'm not really sure mm. on that tactic there, but um, yeah, the it, it was a it was a it was a better performance, I think, from Tom Holmes mm. yesterday, and I think so. Yeah. It, it's good to see because, as you know, we're not the only ones who've, who've kind of given him a bit of stick over the last six, seven weeks. He's no, like, we all want him to do well. That's what we yeah. want, isn't it? None of us want any of our players to do badly. Um, that would be stupid uh, way forward. We want them all to prove us wrong on for players who haven't done anything that we'd hope they'd do. But, yeah, and if you want to hear about an ex-player that actually uh, was a bit of a legend, listen back to our Jim Carachan uh, podcast that we did talking about the sacking of... Panovic, I can't remember his name now. That's terrible. It's not even that long ago. And the introduction of Paul Ince and the three points at last, talking about our win at Preston. So I'd recommend that, Alex. Would you? I would recommend it. It was a very intriguing and interesting couple of hours speaking with Jem. Nice. Um, although, you know, Mika, you're not a bad replacement for Jem Carajan. So oh, oh, thank you very much. Cheers. No, yeah. no problem. Um, <laughs> We, we're recording this on, on Wednesday afternoon, Mika, before Derby play tonight. Uh, the, the table looks so much better than it did seven days ago. We're eight points clear of Derby at the minute, who are playing against Millwall tonight. And Barnsley won last night, and, and we're now only five points behind Hull. We have a game in hand still to play them. It, it suddenly feels like there's a lot more kind of options for Reading to be able to stay up, if that makes sense. It's not just the case of we must finish above Peterborough and Derby. It's it's now a case of maybe maybe there's a scenario here where actually Hull get dragged into the mix as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I was speaking to Niall last night and to be fair, I've got Hull were like 12, 13 points clear. And then he's, oh, we're only five points behind in the game in hand. That should be our target. That Forget relegation now. That shouldn't be a mindset for the team. The mindset should be, let's catch Hull, let's catch Birmingham, let's catch Preston or whoever else is down there. And see how far we can go because I don't think looking at the table and going 
oh, we're three points from relegation. That's not going to motivate them. I think it needs to be, let's look for the next target. I think, I think Hull are going to get dragged back in there. Hull aren't a good team. I think the games against them and Barnsley in April are going to be huge for the season. But yeah, I, I think the league is shaping up a little bit for us now. And I, I'm not worried about relegation. That's me being positive rather than truthful. <laughs> but like, I'm trying to be happy about this situation. We're three unbeaten. We've got a good set of fixtures coming up other than Bournemouth and Blackburn. I would say we could win most of them on our day. Like we've got no reason to finish this season in seventeenth, eighteenth, in my opinion. The dizzy yeah, heights of seventeenth and eighteenth. <laughs> <laughs> it would be, yeah. It's been, been a long time since we've been that high in the league. Um, Paul, we've got Blackpool on Saturday, and as Mika said, it, it, it doesn't seem like Blackpool is a game where we should be particularly afraid. Uh, Blackpool are having a reasonably good season. They're in they're in fifteenth place, and it, they're doing okay. But it's is it? It's not really a, a, a team which we should go fearing that we're going to lose two three nil against. Um, and I feel like there's, there's got to be an opportunity there for us to extend that like run of unbeaten games now. Uh, yeah, totally. But I also remember the Blackpool game, and that was the start of the horrific run. Yeah. Two nil up, and then absolutely collapsed in the second half. If I remember correctly, Th- that was horrible. Um. Yeah, I think we can go there and get at least a point, but I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to say that we're going to go there and win. We look like we're going to score goals. So I'm going to say 2-1 to Reading. Why not? Mika, you're travelling up to to Lancashire on Saturday. Uh, do you think we'll bring back all three points? Yeah, I do. I think we've got that rhythm now. and I've, I'd agree with Paul, 2-1. I do see us conceding at the moment, but that's fine by me. As long as we score more, I don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't not make it a full house of win winning predictions, can I? I feel like that would yeah. be ending on a on ending on against. Don't be that guy, so, Alex. Don't no, be that be, guy. <laughs> I can't be that guy. I can't be that guy. So I'm I'm gonna go with Reading three Blackpool nil. Just completely out whoa. of the blue. Whoa, whoa. Three nil away win. We're scoring a lot of goals. Um, you know, we we did we we took a two nil lead earlier in the season against Blackpool. There's no reason that we can't, you know, do it again. Mm. And I think this time okay. maybe the collapse won't be there. We'll we'll go on and go on and get a comfortable victory away from home for once. Um, with a clean not, sheet. With a clean sheet and not have to be hanging on at the end. That would be absolutely top. We've got a preview of the Blackpool game coming out later in the week with Matt Williamson and the Seasiders podcast. And then we will be back on Sunday after what is going to be an absolutely mammoth journey for anybody making it up there and back. Um Hopefully, people can enjoy the sights and sounds of Blackpool while they're there. And then catch us on Sunday for a review of the game. Uh, Speak to you all then. Nice one. Cheers.